This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome i hope you guys had a wonderful christmas with your families i know that i did coming up on today's show i'm going to ask you if alex volkanovsky beats islam makhlchev is that the biggest upset of the century plus i got some advice for hazmat chamayev and i need an update on darren till all of that later in the show but let's begin here 135 pounds guys let's dig into this a little bit because there's pieces that are moving around that you guys are missing you're not seeing them right Cheeto Vera getting booked with Sanhagen that is a really interesting fight and that's how you are thinking you're getting it you're thinking well this is a really interesting fight I want to see that that's going to be competitive who's going to beat who and I'm not going to spell this out for you completely. Do you think that Cheeto and Sandhagen are fighting for supremacy within that division? Do you think that? Or do you think that they're fighting to keep two guys busy and to keep them mouth shut well, we sort out what we really want to do with the big three, which is Cejudo, Sugashan, and the champion. So we're going to get Vera and Sandhagen, two willing guys. They are so good. Oh my goodness. They are so good. Corey Sandhagen on his feet. Corey Sandhagen's heart. Corey Sandhagen's length and his ability to understand range, not to mention maintain range. That is a hard night out for anybody. And Sandhagen can be a bracket buster. Be this tough guy that's floating around. He's not supposed to be in line for the title, but you put him in there with the wrong guy at the wrong time, and he's going to bust up all of your plans, which is what he's going to be given an opportunity to do against Cheeto. Do you not see why that fight was made? I, I, we don't need to go down that road. I'm just sharing for you. If we're going to discuss that weight class, that fight being made, where you're lost in the lure of, boy, that's going to be a fun match, you're missing the play. I'm not getting you any closer than that. But imagine what happens if Sandhagen wins. If Sandhagen wins and beats Cheeto Vera, do you believe that Sandhagen goes on and fights for the belt? The belt is currently being held by a guy who beat Sanhagen in 40 seconds. That doesn't mean Sanhagen can't work his way back up there. I'm just sharing for you. If Sanhagen gets that win, do you think that that makes him the guy? And of course you do not. If Cheeto wins, do you think that makes him the guy? Do you think that his next fight is going to be, needs to be, will be for the championship? Yeah, probably, right? I mean, do you see the difference? You see a vast difference there. So now tell me, in a normal circumstance, a time or a scenario when two guys like that would get put together. Now, hold that thought. Awesome fight, something to look forward to. What is Sugar Sean doing? What is Sugar Sean going to do next? Do you want to know what the answer to that is? He's going to fight for a world championship. I believe that Sugar Sean's next fight is for a world championship. I don't know that it's the next world championship fight. I don't know what is going on with Henry and Sterling. I don't know. 
But at some point where you're trying to sell yourself on the idea, oh, it's just a logistics issue and everybody's backed up and boy, we're going to get that paperwork in any time now. As you're trying to sell yourself on that idea, the days tick by. And the rumor of that fight going to be in March, I mean, it starts to get a little bit closer and it starts to get a little bit more less likely, a little bit more less probable. And you come back to the question of why. Who would be holding that up? I mean, you, you guys tell me. Could you put these pieces together? You got two guys in the same weight class that want to be world champions. Oh, by the way, it's for the world championship. What do you have to talk about? What's left to discuss? We don't have a rules issue, unified. We don't have a weight issue, 135 scratch. We don't have a prize issue, world title. So who would be holding that up? And I, I think that that's very relevant because neither guy has been called out or challenged. Aljo and Henry announced that they were going to fight. Their teams backed that announcement up. Aljo has now said it's it's not quite done with Henry. Henry has said, well, it's, it's not actually done. We're looking in that direction. Nobody else, and in this case, Sugar Sean, has interrupted that mix and said, wait a minute, you don't have it? Put me in. Michael Bisping and I used to stab each other in the back two and three times a day trying to get a world title opportunity. I was told it was going to be him. I'm coming and trying to take that from him. He finds out, okay, it's going to be me. He came in and tried to take that from him. We went back and forth until we both got him. I would just share for you. That's normal. What Bisping and I did, that's normal. That's competitive. That's what you're trying to do. I don't see Sugar Sean trying to insert himself. And I'm just coming back to why. Sugar Sean likely knows what is holding up that fight. I don't know. I haven't been told. I've only been told by Aljo it's not quite done yet, and by Henry it's not quite done yet. That's unusual. You would never normally hear from Aljo. Henry doesn't want to do the fight. Henry doesn't want to make the weight class. Henry says he can't be ready by then. Henry wants too much money. Henry is finding an excuse to not sign it. Or you'd have Henry coming back and crown busting Aldo. You guys don't question that. You guys don't question in the least that Cejudo would smear the champ's face in it if he had evidence. And the same would come the other way, or one of them would just be calling for the belt. And that could be either one. Aljo could say, I'm going to put it up against Sugar Sean right now. Henry, tell your story walking. You had your chance, but he didn't do that. Sugar Sean didn't try to step in and do that. Henry and Sean didn't go into business for each other for an interim belt pushing Aljo out of the way. So we don't know what's happening there. And I'm curious. And I think that Sean does. All right, very, very hard to keep a secret. You can telephone, telegraph, or telefighter. The word is going to get out. They, they can't keep their mouth shut. I would just think the not, top guy in that division would likely know, but the top guy in that division is extremely strategic, and he's not looking to jump right now. He's looking to do it next, but he's not doing it now. I think I can figure that out. I think Henry and Aljo are very hard matches for anybody. So if you're in Sugar Sean's spot, let them go and bludgeon one another. Let one of them come out of that. Let one of them stand aside. Now I've only got to deal with one of you instead of two of you. Like, I think I think that I understand it to some level. And, and I think I've got the right tool. Maybe, maybe I've got it by the wrong end. But I, I'm, I'm there. What is holding that fight up? What would possibly be holding that fight up? Do you disagree with me?
that Vera and Sandhagen, both are going to get chirpy and speaking up, have now been getting something else to do, took their voice away. Do you agree with me that it's unusual that Cejudo, Aljo, said they're going to fight and now come back, say we're not going to fight. So it looks, I mean, we're on the same page. But what made us turn that page? Sugar Sean standing back watching for everything to happen. Whatever Sugar Sean does next, I think it will be for the belt. I think. Look, the landscape changes quickly, guys. I could be singing a new tune by this time tomorrow, before it is right now. I think Sean's next fight's for the belt. I don't know that the next time they fight for a belt, it's going to include Sean. So we talked a lot recently about the pay-per-view for January. And in doing so, we've neglected what's going down in Australia in February. I was just asked the most annoying question. The most annoying question, and it was this. Hey, Chael, if Volkanovsky beats Islam, is that the upset of the century? No. So no, no, of course not. Volkanovsky's ranked number one. Islam is ranked number five. There's a, you have to turn to the pound-for-pound pound list. It's the only list that both guys are on. You want to talk about their own list? Okay, Islam's ranked number one as champion. Volkanovski's ranked number one as champion. You want to talk about records? One of them 16-0, and 0, and one of them's absolutely never lost. Now, as, as far as an upset goes, I mean, I was there the night that TJ Dillashaw beat Henan Barrow, and Dillashaw was an eight-to-one dog. Dominated that fight. Walked through it. Won all five rounds. I remember the night while I wasn't there that Holly Holm kicked Ronda Rousey, but that was, they were 11 to 1? Did it close maybe closer to 9 to 1? I'm just sharing for you. I mean, with what metric are you going to call Volkanovski defeating Isla? Volkanovski, who's never lost? Volkanovski, who's ranked higher? How would that be shocking news? And if Volkanovski is going to lose, how is he going to lose? Right? I mean, not, not if Volkanovski gets beat, not only is that something that's never happened before, any element of that fight that is going to go against Volk will be something that's never happened before. Is he going to get outstruck? Possibly. I mean, right? This is between those boys. But will you at least concede to me, if he gets outstruck, it will be the first time you've ever seen him get outstruck. What if he gets outwrestled? He gets no takedowns and he gets taken down. Okay, fine. But, but I'm sharing with you, that would be something that you've never seen before. What if Volk gets down and he can't get away? Right, Ortega was on top of him a couple of times. Max has been on top of him before. It's not as though his back doesn't ever hit the canvas, but nobody's held him there. It was never the clock that saved him and brought him back to his feet. He got his own self up. I'm just sharing with you, it would be something that you've never seen before. I think that's intriguing. I think that's interesting. I think that's an incredible opportunity for Islam. Because I don't know what Islam's getting out of this. Islam wanted to be the champion of the world. Anointed by King Khabib himself. This is what he wanted. He never, he's never once said, I want to be ranked number one pound for pound. And that's the only thing that he's going to get out of this victory. Like, I mean, this is a, this is such a cool move by Islam. This is such a cool move that Islam never basked in the glow of victory. Before he ever left the cage, he set up his next fight. 
I mean, it's such an awesome thing. And I think so many people are looking, well, Islam's just better. And people need to give their black belts back. And this thing is real. And he's going to get him down. And he's going to squeeze him. Hey, you, you may not be wrong. But do you understand the credit and the praise that you would have to give Islam to do that? Because I feel like that's being missed. These two could have been your typical dickbag and held this fight up for who knows how long. It's not as though Volk's about to get beat. Volk is going, he's the 45-pound champion now who's undefeated. Okay, come see me in a year. What do you think is different? Volk's going to be the 45-pound champion who's undefeated. Now they're going to dangle this back and forth, right? They're going to make us tickle their balls and do all of these different things to tell them how much we want this fight. We've seen it a million times. Waited 10 years to get Pacquiao and Mayweather in there together. I mean, this is the way that these guys, these guys had no negotiation. They didn't sit down with Dana. They didn't talk about how big this was. They didn't talk about the fact we're going to go out to Perth and sell an arena. They didn't talk about a damn thing. They figured it out themselves. Dana was the last one to know. Dana's sitting cage side why these two made a fight. They deserve credit for that. What does Islam possibly get? I know what he's risking. He's not only risking the world championship, he's risking the perception. If he gets beat by a guy that he's a three-to-one favorite over who's never fought within that weight class before that's coming up from down here, it's a huge risk for Islam. Islam deserves your respect for that. But you don't get him that respect, and he doesn't get it because they didn't dangle this over us. They didn't make us wait. They didn't tell us how great they were and flirt with each other from a cameo in the front row and then go and say some stuff on Twitter. They didn't do any of this, so they're just giving it to us. The magnitude of this contest, I have never heard rhetorically said before. And I'm counting on Brendan. I'm counting on Jesse. I'm counting on Rogan. The voices in this sport, we owe these guys. But this was given to us and fell in our laps so easily that we're missing those things. And what about what Volk is risking? If you think there's going to be a nice, soft fall because it's 10 pounds, you're wrong. The boys in the back don't care about your 10 pounds. That might sound like something to you, and I'm not condescending and being a jerk if it is. I'm sharing with you, amongst your peers, which is the respect you want more than anything else, 45 and 55 is the same thing. This is even. There shouldn't even be a weight class that's only separated by that little of weight, right? I mean, I'm just sharing with you, this is, this is the belief of the boys. So Volkanovsky will be taking it on the chin. He's not going to slide by, right back down like, say, Adesanya did. Yeah, Blahovitz was too base. It's not one of those situations. That 20 pounds was very different, particularly because Izzy didn't even make the limit. I mean, I'm just sharing for you. Volk is biting off a lot. Volk went on and said, I might get taken down. All right, let me correct him. Volk said, I'll probably get taken down. He then said, but I won't panic. I never do. Now, I, I don't totally know what that has to do with I mean, I, I don't know what a, a panic and a non-panic. I don't, I don't really know what that has to do with that position. But I, I do think that I get at least get his theme that if I get put there, I'm not going to be surprised. There's going to be things that I can do. I can create distance and use my speed. I can strike a little bit from there. I might even throw up a submission on him. Yeah, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting from there, even if I go down there. and It's not an ideal position. Like It was just an interesting comment. But the magnitude and what we have here, the fact that these guys built this themselves. Guys, we don't even know the whole story. We don't even know if this was Dana White's plan. I mean, how would you like that as a plot twist? 
Maybe Dana was going to rematch Oliveira, for all we know. Maybe he's going to bring up Yuri Rodriguez to take on Volkanovski, and these guys are going to go their separate ways, but keep this hot, keep dangling for us, and maybe they were going to do this in early 2025. I mean, I'm just sharing. We don't even know. We don't even know what the plan was. We just know the two baddest dudes with a combined 30-plus and one record, two world championships, number one pound for pound versus number five pound for We just know that a lot is on it, and they want to find each other purely from a competitive standpoint. For nothing else. Not for the money, not for the fame, not for the glory. Purely for the competitive standpoint. I think I'm better than you, and you think that you're better than me. If you will give me the opportunity to prove my case, I will give you the same opportunity. That story deserves to be told. That story needs to be told. But when I get asked if Volk, who's ranked number one, against Islam, who's ranked number five, is going to be some kind of a massive upset, no. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the plate. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man, and here's why. This collection can help you get ready for any occasion. They have the most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos, so you'll never have to worry about what to wear. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility and leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way from your commute to the office to meeting up with the guys after work to watch the game. My favorite thing about Roan is its wrinkle release gold fusion anti-odor technologies. I get home still smelling fresh and wrinkle free after a long day at work coaching and running around with my family. Roan is 100% machine washable, so you or your wife can ditch the trips to the dry cleaner altogether. It's time to look great and feel confident without the hassle of going from one mall store to the next. Head to roan.com slash Use the promo code CHAIL to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan.com slash chael. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash chael. Use the promo code chael. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Hazmat Chemayev. I mean, this was the darling of the media. Like possibly we've never seen. And if we were to run somebody back that captivated as many headlines and as much attention as Chemaev was able to do pre-pandemic and all the way up until recent, you have to go back to Ronda Rousey. To go back to Ronda Rousey, and you might even have to go back to somewhere Conor McGregor is still very good. I almost put Conor into a different category, right? He did such a good job with the media, it's almost not an equitable comparison. But however those chips fall that I just laid out, Jemiah was one of them. He was one of the great darlings of the MMA media ever. Only had a couple of fights, did them back-to-back though, different weight classes, short notice, finish everybody, right? I mean, like there was just enough to go off of. Not to mention a young up-and-comer at a weight class where it appeared they had a king that was going to sit 
till possibly the end of his career. Right? I mean, don't forget about that. That was an important part to the Chamayev story. The absolute dominance of Kamara Usman going through that division and going through it for a second time. That is related directly to the rise of Chamayev, why people were trying to get him there so quickly. Right when you write a guy off, and we've seen that before, right? I mean, Adesanya just went through it. You write a guy off. Okay, he's going to be a champion until he retires. And as the fan, we want to see the greatness, and we're going to continue to tune in. But we know he's going to be the champion until he retires. We know that because the field isn't changing, and he's already beaten them all twice. It was just one of those situations. So then when all of a sudden you have this question mark, well, maybe... It makes things very interesting. Again, if I was to go to Adesanya, I think that that's what Piera provided. When Bo Nickel was healthy, somewhere the, the Bo train is coming down the tracks, and this injury and the loss of the match on December 10th has really stopped that momentum. Now, I believe that Bo can get that back, but I will argue for you, one of the things that Bo had helping to drive him was his style in conjunction with that of the champion who was Adesanya. Okay, so we've established that the media was all over Chemayev and they really liked it. Now, Chemayev came out recently and he said, I want to fight at UFC 285. That card is, I think he said it was eight or ten weeks away. I'll take his word for it. I didn't look it up. But he said, and I just want to fight. I don't care if it's a 170 or it's a 185. Several opponents have been offered that fight. That's the date I'm looking at. And all the opponents have turned it down. Do you guys think that that's true? Right? Now, one thing doesn't have to be a lie for it to not to be true, by the way. I mean, if Chemayev was told that, hey, we're trying to get this fight out, he didn't want to do it. Hey, we're trying to get this fight out, he doesn't want to do it. But Chemayev did say a couple of interesting things there. He said at 170 or 185, now that's a little bit problematic in my opinion. Chemayev must establish for us, the audience, is he a 70-pounder or is he an 85-pounder? And until that is established, I'm going to encourage that he's an 85-pounder. Nobody cuts weight for competition, just so you understand. You, you cut weight to avoid competition. Nobody wants more respect, and therefore they're going to do it smaller. You will say those things. You will present yourself in that manner. There's not a reality to it. And I think that Chemayev does have the courage. I know that he's got the skills. I've seen him fight at 185 pounds twice. I believe I've seen him fight three times. I believe his fight with Kevin Holland. They officially changed it to a contracted weight of 178 pounds. 170 pounds isn't a weight class. You weigh 178 pounds, you're a middleweight. No, all of these things are fine. I'm just sharing for you. If Chemayev is still saying these things, hey, I'll do it at 70 or I'll do it at 85, we get his message. His message is whatever you need to do to find somebody opposite me, and I'll give you two weight classes to do it in. We got that, but Chemayev's a human being, right? He's got his conscious mind, but then he's got his subconscious mind as well. And my guess would be he is feeding his subconscious mind, don't get your weight under control just yet. Before you pass over that beautiful holiday meal, keep in mind you might be going up to middleweight. 
So add the scoop of potato and spread the gravy around. Right? I mean, it's one of those things. How are you going to get your weight under control if you don't even know what the weight is? And I think that was the problem that Shemayim just saw. And the only reason I tell you, but it's a very big reason, the reason I tell you that we, the audience, need to establish a spot for Shemayim is we can help to encourage to get him an opponent. Shemayim's saying four guys were off for the fight. We don't know who those four guys are, but we don't even have four guys that we've suggested. We, the media, uh, we, the community, has not got behind an opponent and Chemayev because we don't know what weight class to do it at. So if you have somebody, or in this case, according to him, four people that are turning the fight down, well, sure, if there's no pressure, if there's no influence, I mean, that's quite literally what fight promotion is, right? We've got to promote it. We've got to, we've got to drive somebody in that direction. I also believe that a big reason why 170-pounders have not called Chemayev out is they thought he was booked against Colby. What happened to that? And if Chemayev isn't booked against Colby, who's next for Colby? So Chemayev's interview really did open up a whole bunch of questions. And there are guys that want to fight Chemayev. His words are anybody and you've got two weight classes to choose it. Those are his words, but are those literal words? Because another thing Chemayev could have done is he could have come out and he could have just gone right after Blahal Muhammad, who has very openly and publicly been challenging him. He could have come out, Chemayev, and been very open to say, Colby, I was told Colby, you were told Colby, I'm planning for Colby, 170 with Colby, but he, didn't, he wasn't doing that. He said that nobody will do the fight, as opposed to calling out somebody who's already done the fight. Gilbert Burns, just by example, I mean, we can keep playing this game, and I think that the field is pretty small. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are jonesing to fight Chemayev. I think there's a real truth to what he's saying, but he's also not giving us very clear direction. Paulo Costa at 185 pounds. Paulo Costa will take that fight with Chemayev. Let's book it now. But it appears that he's not being asked. He's not being pulled that direction. What happened to the fight with Colby? Is that off? I'm asking you. I don't know. If that fight is off, why is it off? Who's Colby going to fight next? When Shemayev comes and does media, and he talks about two different weight classes, he's got a very specific date of UFC 285, which apparently is right around two months away. Why not a specific name? Why not? Why not Blahal Mohammed has nobody to fight, and by the way, he's been challenging me, and that's the guy. I'm just asking the question. I'm asking the question because... Are we getting sincere answers, or is this part of the shtick? I'm in either way, and I've got no problem with it. But the idea that nobody will do it, when Blahal is asking for it, I've heard Colby discussed, and I've never heard Colby say no. There's even rumors that Usman isn't going to be able to meet their date in, wouldn't you know, March, against Leon. The rumors are so strong that people are talking about so, and therefore Masvidal is going to come in and save the day. I'll, I'll just share with you guys this. If Kamar Usman can't make that date with Leon, it does not go to Masvidal. You would find a Colby, you would find a Shemayev, you would find a Blahal Muhammad. Just so you guys can put that, you could just put that rumor to rest. But who's next for Shemayev? Let's help him. Let's find an opponent we want him to fight. But we need one piece of information from Shemayev first. And it's a commitment. And it's a long-term play. It's not a yo-yo. It's not up and down. Are you a middleweight? 
or are you a welterweight? So before we get to the end of the program, I want to revisit one of my favorite fights from UFC 282 because I still have a lot of questions about it. Duplices. Duplices was given an interview. He was talking about his last fight, and I, and I, and I needed this interview because I wanted to hear this. Look, here's what happened by my eyes. Duplices goes out. He's taking on Darren Till. He feels great. He's full of energy. He gets Darren Till down. He thinks there might be an opportunity for a finish for TKO right there in the first round. Ground and pound finish. He goes for it. Tires out. Now, that is generally what we, the viewer, would assign an adrenaline dump. And an adrenaline dump is an extremely real thing. If you think you're going to get a finish, there is a relief. There is an excitement. There is a fulfillment of a goal. There is a finality that you hope for, and when that hope is taken away, oh, you dump, and it's real, it's exhausting. It will exhaust you, just that emotion, that emotion of excitement of, oh my gosh, I'm almost done, oh, I'm not, I've got 10 more minutes in the world's hardest sport, right? I mean, it's one of those things. That's what I thought I saw. So we get an end of the round, minute break, little advice from the cornerman, come out for round two, Duplices isn't fighting. Duplices is a target. And now you've got Darren Till who just took a beating but did not have that emotional roller coaster and Till's starting to find his target. So the end of that round comes, they're going into round three. Now we're going into round three, tied up at one apiece, favor Darren Till. This is what I saw. Duplices comes out with a half-hearted double leg, takes him right down, takes his back, everybody gets up and go home. Till said that my knee was hurting. All right. Now, make sure you understand this, though, guys, because this, this one is really, uh, we haven't been paid off. It's called a receipt. We, we have never been given a receipt for that match. We heard a very credible rumor that that was Darren Till's last fight under contract, which meant the UFC was not going to re-sign him. If you lose this fight, thank you for your time here. If you win this fight, we'll be giving you a phone call. A lot of guys end up in that spot. They keep it to themselves, just so you understand. Because you probably haven't heard a lot of that, but I do want you to know, like, that's not an unusual thing. So we find this out about Till, and it was a rumor, but it was a rumor that I believed. I personally believed it to be true because of the source that it was coming from. Now, Dana goes to the post-fight press conference. He says, I, I don't care if Till's lost his last five fights. You fight the white Darren Till fights, I'll put you in my event. It's a very beautiful compliment at the right time. Right? I mean, if you're Darren Till, ooh, that was a nice thing to hear. Then it also gets named Fight of the Night. So perhaps Till is on good footing. And perhaps Dana wasn't aware of the contract status, right? And we just don't know these things, the viewer. We don't know these things. We're waiting to be told. And nothing came of it. I mean, I have not heard of Till's removal from the roster. I've not heard of Till's removal from the USADA pool. So we're left to wonder if that rumor was ever true in the first place, or if they came in behind the scenes and kind of said, hey, give it a minute. We're going to see what we want you to do. Now, I don't have somewhere I'm going to go with that. I'm just setting that down for you. I'm setting it down because we never got paid off as the audience. 
I believe enough time has elapsed that we can be safe to say Darren Till will be booked again and will have another match. Now, let's go back to Duplisi. Duplisi had his last fight in, or I apologize, his last loss. And guys, it was a long time ago. I mean, like 2015, 2019. But I looked this thing up. I go, man, this guy has been on a heck of a streak. And he's only lost two fights overall. He's won all his fights for a meaningful amount of time. And I think he was a kickboxer before that. I can't prove that part. I mean, I couldn't actually find that, but I, somebody had told me this somewhere. So Duplisi's a really good fighter. That's the point I'm getting at. And he came out and he spoke about this adrenaline dump. He said that's not what happened. He said, I was not exhausted in that second round, even though I was standing there, even though I wasn't moving, and even though Darren Till was scoring points on me. I had energy. And he talked about his legs. He said, my legs felt swollen. I don't completely, I'm not totally able to relate with that statement, but he furthered it and said, it felt like I had just run a marathon. Like my legs were so heavy that I was kind of a sitting target until was able to tee off on me. Okay, great. That's what I saw. But then he talked about it being the weight cut. And after the weigh in, he did not do appropriate stretching. Now, again, I can't, I can't totally relate to that. I've never stretched after a weigh-in, and I never saw anybody else do it. But I'll tell you guys, if you do one thing different, you can get a very different result. And Duplices was not making an excuse. He was openly discussing that he believes he has identified what cost him a little bit, and the fact that he's not going to do it next time. I want to tell you guys one, Randy Couture versus Pedro Hizzo, part one. This was quite possibly the greatest fight of all time at that point. It for sure was the greatest heavyweight fight of all time, not to mention a bit controversial. Randy comes out, he takes, uh, takes control of Pedro Hizzo. Pedro comes and grabs those rounds back. They go into the fifth. This is a melee. It looks as though we're going to have a new champion. Randy was the world of the champion. It looks, champion of the world, it looks as though we've got an upset. This young man named Pedro Hizzo is going to get the belt. Now, one of the things that added to the allure of that is Randy thought Pedro was about to win the fight and get the belt. It was close, but it did appear that Pedro got him. So, Fight ends, Randy wins, boom, immediate rematch. They booked this rematch, but Randy is saying, see, the odds makers come in, they've all got it on Pedro now. Don't forget, Randy was a little bit older. He finally found this challenge. Pedro Hizzo was bigger than him. He was younger than him. Pedro goes off at a two and a half to one favorite over Randy Couture. Randy had just beaten Pedro. He was still a favorite. I was training with Randy at the time. You know what? Randy's blood pressure never went up. He thought that he had identified what happened in the fight as far as him hitting that wall, not being able to push through it. And he said it was the warm-up in the back, which is true. Randy warmed up 45 minutes for that fight. I mean, it was like he had done a pra- a full workout. I remember seeing him, are you, what are you doing? Why are you practicing so hard? Is this normal? Is this what you normally do? I just remember seeing it and observing it, but then when Randy talked about it after the fact, he never told you guys. Wasn't looking for an excuse. He was just sharing with us at Team Quest. Hey, sign that contract. We got this one. And the only thing I need to do different is I'm going to warm up for about 8 to 12 minutes, not do a 45-minute practice. This is what he said, and he believed it. And when that fight rolled around, 
Randy's now even older. He's being questioned for the first time. He's got this young up-and-comer. The UFC gave Pedro this beautiful contract, right? They thought he was going to grab the belt. And Randy warmed up for about 15 minutes, and he walked out, and it was not a competitive fight. Randy ended up stopping Pedro Hizzo, but he never lost a sequence or a moment of that fight on his way to finishing him. I tell you that story because what Bablesis is telling you is real. If he is used to stretching after a weigh-in, if I read it and I'm understanding that correctly, and he didn't do it, yes, his legs could have gotten very tired in the second round. I'm just sharing with you. I needed this, though, because, again, I never felt paid off for that fight. So we still got a question on Darren Till, but Duplessis feels as though he's identified what it is he needs to do better. It reminded me of the time that Randy did it, went out and got a very different result. And the fight I want to see, by the way, Darren Till versus Luke Rockhold. I'm not going to get that. Rumor that Till's time is done. Rockhold himself said, I'm going to retire, but it felt a little haphazard to me. It's not the world's worst time for Sean Strickland versus Darren Till. Just by example. I think we got a lot of good options there. I think we're going to have some fun coming up. And I think you owe it to Duplessis to put a little bit more of an eye on this guy. close out today's show, I want to dive into the division that has a very special place in my heart, and that, of course, is middleweight. 185 pounds. I love the weight class. More proud moments of, of my own career is at 185 pounds. I follow the class very closely. And that might be a strange thing. Uh, you'll be able to relate to this. Whatever high school you went to, like you check the scores during football season, even if you went there 20 years ago, and then you like it when they're beating other teams. Can you relate something like that? Maybe a college that you went to, nobody there knows you exist, none of your professors are there, but you you donate what you can each year, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, something along these lines. You like to see them do well. Can you relate on any level? Because it's kind of what I have at 185. That's not my crew. That's not my crop. You might not even think of me that way, but I still like to see it do well. Is that fair? Adesanya versus Piera seems to be the fight to make. And it seems to be the fight that they are expected to make. It seems to be expected... And we have evidence of that by trying to get Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker together, right? Whether that happened or not, I don't think you got to remind me of that story, but we tried to. Try to take those pieces right off the board. Sean Strickland's in a, a rebuilding phase. Duplisi certainly on his way up. Cannoneer going to have something meaningful to do, but not with one of those guys right now. It would seem as though we redo Adesanya and Alex Piera. I think that you guys would really enjoy that match. But are we a little naive to act as though that's a foregone conclusion? 
What rematches have we seen in the past that were immediate? Oh, and by the way, were not announced immediately. And those examples certainly do exist, but there's usually a crying out of support from somebody. And you've got a few arms. You've got the opponent, in this case, Izzy. You have the champion, in this case, Alex. You have the fans, in this case, you. You have the pundits, in this case, well, for this room, me. But none of us have done that. None of us are demanding that fight. None of us are calling that for that fight. Now, we don't have another suggestion. We're not saying, ah, I really think that Izzy should do this instead. We're not saying, ah, I think Alex and this guy is the match to make. We're not doing that, which still makes everybody available. And the probable bet, if you were to place one, would be that we rematch that. But are we going to do that for sure? Uh-uh, no. If it was for sure, it would have already been announced. They'd be fighting in March. There'd be some kind of discussion had. I mean, I'll, I'll use a more recent example for you guys, but Kamara Usman and Leon. And that really was same, same. It really was. Somebody from your past. It was a long time ago. Get them out there. Most people don't know that it's a rematch. One-sided fight. Shot heard around the world in the last round. The unbeatable champion who was lapping the division. I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing. And we knew that Kamara Usman was going to be fighting Leon instantly. Instantly. Like that night. And whether that's literal or not, it was it was like that night. It might have been. It might have been to the post-fight press conference, but it was right away. And Kamara also made that clear. Came out and spoke on that. Pinned Leon down. Got Leon to say yeah. Leon's looked in a couple of other directions. Three-piece in a soda, but he's never rejected his offer to give Kamara that rematch. And that's just not what we're seeing here. As a matter of fact, Piera went on Ariel's program and said, I do not want to fight Izzy next. And Pierre was cool about it because he said, if Izzy says he wants it, I will do it. I will give him that. This is my enemy. He's a guy from my past, but there's still an honor. And if he says he wants it, I will defend against him. But I don't know how much Izzy's come out and said that. Izzy, if, if anybody's ever taken the high road, if anybody showed us that a sport of this fierce of combat can also have a gentleman and a sportsman, it's Adesanya. So what do you think? Are they going to go rematch that fight? Because if they're not, then who are they going to put in there? We don't even know if, if Paulo Costa, right? At this point in time, we don't even know if he's coming back. And he's meaningful. I, I believe Paulo Costa would be the favorite against Piera. And you guys might change your mind. Like, that, that line might move. But you see my point. Like, he definitely could go into title fight contention. And now you've got Piera out there. One of the last pieces of news Piera did was to say that he would fight Chimaev. Do you guys even remember this? Because th This came and this left. Because he said, I'll fight him. I'm not putting my belt up, but only because I'm not cutting down. You want to fight? Let's fight at 205. You're not a 205 fighter, but I don't fight there either. Let's both go up, and I will fight you just for a grudge. Okay, great. I get where they're not going to do that, but you do get the point. that That's the last person that Pierre has talked about. Oh, by the way, Chimaev is also one of the people who matters and doesn't have 
a full dance card. I'm most definitely not predicting for you guys. I think we're going to see Piera versus Chimaya, but I'm not willing to concede to you guys that it's going to be Adesanya versus Piera. And if you meet me there, if you meet me halfway and you realize there's been opportunities, if they're going to rematch that fight, why have we not announced the rematch? We haven't announced it because we're not quite sold that we're going to do the rematch. So if not Izzy, who? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts like this one from H who says, Douglas Crosby interview was great. Douglas is an interesting guy. I agree with you, H. Thank you for that review. And I hope you will come back along with everybody else on Friday and tell that I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.